Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, if you were here last week, you know that we started a new series called Marked for More. I love this series. I've been looking forward to it and excited for it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Today, I'm preaching a different message than I planned to preach on week two. Generally, as we look forward to a series, I have kind of a a strategy of how we're going to move through it and the order in which we'll move. But last week, as I was preparing and preaching, I found my own agenda changed. I just want you to know that we're a spirit-filled church. We believe that God is leading by his spirit and and, uh, God gets to make those decisions. And so I felt him just sort of nudge my heart as I was preparing the message last week to really double down on on the message from what we looked at last week in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you were there, I'll just give you a really quick quick, uh, recap if you weren't. But in James chapter 1, the Bible says that we are marked for more. It says we're sealed by the work of the Holy Spirit. That means if you have a relationship with Jesus, God has marked you with the seal of ownership. He's marked you with the seal of authentication and with the seal of future intention. He's got more in store for you. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And you who are included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then down to verse 15, it says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom And Revelation, it goes on to say this, that God has more wisdom for you. He's got more vision for you. He's marked you for more hope. And I believe God has marked you for more power. This week, I simply want to look at that word, wisdom. Now, if you weren't here last week, here's the beauty of doing church online. You can actually go back and watch that whole service and catch up. In fact, at the end of this service, we'll we'll include a little link that you can go back and, and catch up. But we're going to allow this to be the framework for how we move forward in this series. You've been marked for more. If you're in relationship with Jesus, he's marked you for more wisdom. You know, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom. In fact, the word wise is used 344 times. The word wisdom, I think, is about 367. We're talking about over 700 mentions of wisdom. Certainly, God wants you to grow in wisdom. And I wonder right now where you're watching from today, could you acknowledge and and just uh, identify yourself as someone who needs more wisdom? Are you with me on that? Like, Like you need a little more wisdom in your life? I don't know about you. I find the complexities of life require more wisdom from me as I grow. Do you agree? Like, like there's a point in time where you're, you're having really hard decisions like, should I wear pants or shorts today? I need mom's opinion. I, I, or I need mom's direction because I always want to wear shorts and mom sees the rain clouds rolling in. There are times in life where the complexities grow to, should I work at A&W or should I work at Wendy's. Which uniform do I prefer better? And then the the complexities of life grow and they require of us more 
wisdom. Who am I going to marry? And what am I going to major in in university? And what type of career am I going to have? And then the complexities of life grow more and more. How will I care for the people who are looking up to me? How will I best steward the gifts that God has put on my life? How am I going to manage my time, my resource? What is my life purpose and goal? Whatever season you're in, we need more wisdom. Whatever decisions you find yourself walking through, we need more wisdom. And aren't you grateful that the Bible promises that you've been marked for more? Like if this was it, we'd have every reason to be grateful. If this was it, we'd have every reason to worship God and to to sing songs of praise that God has saved us. He's brought us out of darkness into light. But guess what? Him bringing us into light promises and secures and seals us for this reality that there is more wisdom in store for us. Today, I want to give some practical tips on how we can grow in wisdom. If it's God's desire to give us wisdom, if it's God's desire to grow us into more wisdom, then I believe that he has given us steps that we can take to actually grow in more wisdom. If we've been marked for more wisdom, why don't we lean into that today? If you're taking notes, you can write down the title of today's message. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. And and there's kind of two types of people I've found. There's the type of people that when you hear that term, this is how we do it, you, you think this, this is how we do it. Okay, there's that type of people. And then the second group of people, they do this, this is how we do it. It's like, There's just two groups of people. So which one are you? Are you a, this is how we do it? Or are you the nasally, a little bit falsetto? This is how we do it. One of two groups. But this is how we all do this, okay? Nobody is is born by default with great wisdom. Nobody just finds themselves waking up one day and they're wise. In fact, the Bible even speaks of Jesus saying he grew in wisdom. This is how we all grow in wisdom. Do you have anyone in your life that you look to and say, that person right there, they just get it. They're just on top of things. They're just so wise in the way that they understand. They're just so wise in the way that they're able to persevere. They're so wise in the way that they they, uh, work through complex life circumstances and they make the greatest decisions. Well, guess what? This is how they did this too. We all need to grow in wisdom. The Bible says for each one of us, Proverbs 9 and verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know the very starting point for any one of us, this is how we all do it, is it begins with uh, saying this, God, I fear you only. God, I put you in the position in my life that your opinion of me is the only one that matters. I don't care what other people think of me. I don't care what the world might say about me. I don't care how I stack up against the people around me. I just simply care about this, your opinion of me and what you are saying about my life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What God says about me is what matters the most. What God cares about is what stirs my heart the most. What God says isn't that important. I too decide to say it's not that important For me, God has the steering wheel of my life. Like God's sitting in the driver's seat. If we fear the Lord, it's not meaning that God intimidates us. It's not meaning that God is is, uh, hiding around the corner to scare us. It means this, God has the steering wheel of my life 
and I have put my life entrusted into his hands. Do we have any control freaks in the place? Come on, we have anyone? Like, like I'll be honest, I am controlling in certain ways. Like when it comes to driving, I'm pretty controlling. If I'm in the car, I'm probably driving the car. And even if it's not my car, I'm probably still gonna find a way to drive the car. I don't love being a passenger. But if I wanna grow in wisdom, I need to understand that I'm not driving my own life. The fear of the Lord, the, the honor of God, putting God in that place means, God, you've got the wheel, you take the wheel, you take control, I'm following you, I'm honoring you, I'm a passenger in this, this life that is my own. So today, if that's gonna be our reality, we're gonna grow in wisdom, we're gonna embrace this is how we do it, we need to start with that reality. God sets the agenda. Fearing the Lord is the very first step. Not intimidated, but honoring God. Saying the opinions of others don't really matter. Now let me give you four things today. Four ways that we all grow in wisdom. That, that, that we all do it. If God's marked us for wisdom, here's what he's calling us to. Number one, let's make common sense common again. If we want to grow in wisdom, we've got to make common sense common again. We actually have to start from somewhere. Like imagine it uh, with me. If uh, in my home, if one of my kids said, I'm so excited to, to eat, I'm so excited to actually be nourished. And uh, I'm looking forward to being nourished. And uh, when mom prepares food or dad prepares food, then I'll be nourished. And imagine with me if, if as a parent, I said to one of my kids, can you bring this sandwich to your brother or your sister? And they said, no, no, I'm good. I'll wait until it comes from mom or from dad. Well, what kind of lack of common sense would that be? For so many of us, we're waiting for God to do a miracle of pouring wisdom in our life and we're not even willing to do the next thing to actually apply some common sense and make common sense common again. You know, in the book of Acts chapter seven, it speaks of Moses and it says, Moses was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt and he was powerful in word and he was powerful indeed. Moses was wise. In fact, Moses was so wise that the people looked to him for everything. They came to him for every little single dispute until there came a time where he said, somebody else has got to start applying wisdom to these simple things. I can't be involved as the referee in every dispute. Moses was so wise that he actually downloaded that wisdom to the people around him. There's this one verse in, in Numbers chapter 26, verse 54, and it's speaking about the way that they, they separated the land. When they came into a new land, the promised land, and there was a whole group of people, thousands of people who needed a home, Moses had to clarify give more land to more people and give less land to groups of less people. And it just it feels like one of those verses that you're like, yep, that makes sense. But guess what? Common sense isn't always common. It's important for us to make the, the decision in my life, I'm not going to wait for God to do this incredible, miraculous work of wisdom and in the meantime, neglect the simple things. Like, like if you think to yourself, oh my goodness, my life's just so overwhelming and I'm always exhausted and I need more wisdom to not be exhausted and you binge watch Netflix every night, that's not a God problem. Like that, that's a you thing. You don't have to ask, God, give me miraculous energy. God says, 
go to bed on time. Oh man, I'm just so hungry. God, fill me with nourishment. No, eat, eat properly. Get some balance in your life. Do the common things and make common sense common again. Vivid Church, if we want to grow in wisdom, we actually need to make the decision to grow in wisdom, to start somewhere. In fact, in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, each one of us should live up to what we have already attained. Before we go any farther, before we ask God to do a miracle of wisdom in our life and and we ask God, make me the wisest person who's ever lived. Let's ask ourselves the questions. Are we doing the things that we should already know to do? Are we living up to what God has already given us and living up to what we've already attained in our understanding of him? Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. I'll give you a moment to turn there in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. I love this. It says in Ephesians 5... And 15 says this, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Like, like, let's make common sense common in our lives again. There's so many things we ask for God to bail us out because we've made unwise decisions that were clear to us from the very beginning. I told us at the beginning, just highlighted this fact that when you're a kid, it's like, what should I wear today? And then you grow older, it's where should I work this summer? And then it's how should I steward my life? And how should I care for my future? You grow in complexity. Imagine if every time you take on a new level, if every time you grow in complexity, you forget everything you've already learned. Come on, let's live up to what we've already attained. Let's put into practice the simple things. Let's be maybe like Moses and say, I shouldn't need to pray and ask God to do the thing that already makes sense and that he's already revealed to be true. So number one, this is how we do it. We make common sense common again. This is part of how God provides. In the same way that I, as a parent, could provide for one of my children food by delivering it through, through one of them, God provides in many ways for us to grow wise. And it all begins with the fear of the Lord. Number one, make common sense common again. Number two, if we're going to grow in wisdom, we need to consider the source. Consider the source of wisdom. You know, the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6. I don't know about you, I sometimes like that little moment of time where you have time to turn there in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth knowledge and understanding. God is the giver of wisdom. God is not intimidated and, and he doesn't hoard what is his. In fact, the Bible says that everything that he has, he shares with us. God is the giver of wisdom. God actually wants us to grow in wisdom. I remember I had a friend who was training and preparing to become a doctor. And as he gathered together and prepared to study uh, for the doctor, <laughs> shows that I'm not a doctor. I was going to call it the doctor exam. I don't know. It was some sort of important exam uh, to take that next step towards being a medical doctor. And as he gathered together with his friends and they prepared to study, he said it was such an interesting dynamic because nobody was honestly sharing what they knew. They were all sharing the baseline information, but holding the most important information because they felt there's only a few spots. 
And I want to make sure that what I know is something that I keep close to myself. Well, God's not like that. God actually wants to share his wisdom with us. He wants to give us wisdom. But we need to consider what is the source that I've got my wisdom from. Would you turn with me to the book of James chapter 3? Today's been a day where we're jumping all over the Bible. But I told you over 700 mentions of wisdom, it would make sense that there's a lot of areas speaking into this. James chapter 3, James chapter 3 and verse 13. Look at this comparison that's made. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show by their good life and by their deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it. Don't deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, where you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, then considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial, it's sincere, it's marked by peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Vivid Church, let me ask you to consider the source of wisdom in your life. You see, wisdom is not merely intellectual understanding. It's the application of what we know. James says here that there are people who might appear wise because they're so active and they're so activated in what they know. But if what they know is how to just get ahead, if what they know is how to grow their own brand, if what they know is how to just climb over others in selfish ambition, that's not heavenly wisdom at all. That's not the type of wisdom that actually draws us closer to God. It's the type of wisdom that comes from an earthly perspective, an unspiritual perspective, or possibly even a demonic perspective that's actually growing us further away from God's destiny for our life. That's not how we do this. That's not how we do this. Some people say, well, if I want to be wise, I'm just going to copy that person. I'll just copycat what they do. And you see this in business. You see this in ministry. You see this in all aspects of life where people, instead of considering, does this wisdom come from God, they say it's the easiest way. It just makes the most sense. I'll just shortcut and follow them. And James says, whoa, 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 whoa. Consider if there's selfish ambition, if there's envy, that's actually not from God. What comes from God is sincere and it's peaceful and it's, it's, it's considering others. It's considerate of the people around us. So let me ask us the question, can we consider the source? This is how we all do this. If we want the more wisdom that God has marked us for, we need to understand he's got the steering wheel of our life. And not only that, but God is actually giving us wisdom to do the things we already know to do, to make common sense common again. And God is the best source of wisdom. God is not uh, looking to give us the cheat codes to get us through the fastest way. He's actually trying to get us there the best way. I don't know about you. I want God's wisdom in my life. If I'm going to grow in wisdom, I don't want to just be that I'm similar to someone else. I want to be like God. How about you? I want to be like Jesus. I want to grow more and more wise. Number three, this is how we do it. This is how we all do it. Number three is we confidently ask. If you want to grow in wisdom, confidently ask. 
Check out what it says in James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 5. You'll find James has a lot to say about wisdom and a lot to say about faith. So much so that throughout church history, there have been some who go, I don't like the book of James. Why can't we just erase it from the Bible? It's so, you know, on the head. It's so just direct and forward. Can it be a little softer? Look how direct James is about this. Verse five of James chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you actually need to believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in what they do. Like James is not mixing words and James is not too worried about making friends. He's saying, I want you to get wise. If you recognize and identify right now in your life that you're foolish, perfect. You're the greatest candidate to grow in more wisdom. In fact, God, by saving you and pouring the Holy Spirit into your life, God has marked you for more wisdom. But you need to confidently ask. Actually approach God and ask with sincerity, God, can you make me more wise? Like I think for all of us, we need to start with, do I already know the answer for this? I don't need to pray about what God has already revealed. I need to live up to what I have already attained. And probably for each one of us, we, we also just need to consider the source of our wisdom. If we're cutting God out of that equation, we're not growing in wisdom. But, but when we acknowledge, I actually don't know what the answer is, we'll confidently ask. God pours wisdom into our life without finding any fault. I think there's a couple reasons why people don't ask. Number one, they think they're already wise and it's actually that they're foolish. Number two, they think they're too flawed and too imperfect to ever receive from God. Well, the Bible actually eliminates both of those issues right away. And it makes it clear that there's not one of us who's righteous or wise, not even one. We all need to grow in wisdom and God pours it out generously without finding fault. God is not uh, assessing your, hmm, your, your level of uh, what you earned or deserved when it comes to wisdom. He's not looking at your life and going, well, let me first consider uh, if you've earned it. Let me first consider, uh, you know, your point system, where you fall in this, it's this matrix. No, no, God's saying this. If you lack wisdom, ask. I actually love to give wisdom. I don't point out flaws and faults. I love a person who's willing to admit that they're foolish and I will pour wisdom into their life. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 16. It says this, how much better to get wisdom than gold. How much better to get insight than silver. I bring that up because I think there's a confidence that comes in asking when we understand the value of wisdom. It's greater than gold. And so, so don't just wait for that perfect moment to ask a question. Maybe when you were growing up, you, you knew if you were going to ask your mom something or ask your dad something, you had to wait for the perfect moment. The house was quiet. Everything was put in its place. And, you know, the, the meal was good and the mood was just right. And you had to slip in that question between six or seven other compliments. Well, well the, the, the reality is this. When it comes to God, ask confidently and he pours out wisdom without finding fault. And it's important for us to know that every moment is that moment. Like a person searching for gold who's intently focused on it. You don't have to wait for just the right moment. Your eyes are open always. 
to grow in wisdom. This is how we do it, Vivid. This is how we do it as people of God. We want to grow in wisdom. It's really actually far more simple than we've maybe made it out to be. We all need to make common sense common again. We all need to consider the source. We all need to confidently ask. And lastly, number four. Number four, it's circle time. Circle time. Not hammer time, as the the 90s title would imply. No, no, circle time. It's time to consider the circle in our life. You know, right now, I got a couple people in my life who are, are focused intently on getting healthy. They're focused intently on getting some routine and some discipline in their life. And, and it's interesting, some of the different tools people use to intently grow in their health. Uh, for some people, it's about schedule. It's just about the order in their life where they say, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make sure I do this before I do that. I'm going to run before I have breakfast, whatever it might be. For other people, it's group accountability. We're all doing this thing together. And and then for some, it's like the tools of things like an app that reminds you. I I got a friend who they've got a running app and when they're running, their friends see and they hit the little cheer button and they're like, yay, go, go, go. And it's motivational. And then some who have like the Apple health app and, and it comes, I don't know if you have it, it comes with circles like Little concentric circles that show the amount of activity you made in a day, the the amount of time you spent moving in a day, the number of calories you burned, the number of steps you took, whatever those goals may be, there's concentric circles. And and so when it comes to that, it's always just kind of the question, how are the circles? Like, how are you doing on on your circles? It's not just, I think I'm doing pretty good today. There is actual data. No, I can look at these circles and consider. And these circles... They're concentric, growing from maybe the the least important to the most important as it gets closer. And the same is true in your life and in my life when it comes to the group of people that, that we surround ourselves with, the circles that we surround ourselves with. The closest circle is really, truly the most important. I want you to consider today and do a little bit of circle time. How is the circle of people that you surround yourself with? You say, well, that's a really personal question. I I guess it's a little up close and personal, but here's why it's so important. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 20, check this out, Proverbs 13 and verse 20, uh, it says this. You've probably had a chance to get there already. If you have, why don't you read it out before I even get there in your home and impress the people that you are sitting in a room with. Proverbs 13 and, and verse 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. When you walk with the wise, you become wise. I want to ask you, who are the group of people who are closest to you in your life? Now, here would be a really unwise thing to do. If you look at that group of people and you say, there's not enough wisdom in my group, I'm done with them. There's not enough wisdom in my group, I'm done with this group of people, I need a whole new group of friends. You actually just need a tighter group. You need a a smaller circle in the center. This is why we invite everyone in our church to be a part of a hub. You need a group of people around you who are helping you to become wise. Foolishly, there are people who look around their group of friends and they say, well, nobody is dealing with the type of stuff I'm dealing with. I'm done with this group. I need a new group. No, no, you actually just need a closer group. Maintain that group of friends. That's amazing. You just need a closer group of people who are actually living the life that you want to live. 
who are actually growing in the ways that you need to grow, who actually care about seeing your growth and development. Get a group of people closer around you who really truly care for your best intention. Let's do some circle time and and recognize who are the people in my life that I can trust to look to and to grow. The one who walks with the wise grows wise, but if I've made my companions with a bunch of fools, I'm gonna suffer harm because we're all gonna walk into this thing together. Let's all assess that. And again, you're looking at it, you're saying, well, maybe my tightest group of friends right now, they're not the wisest group of people. Awesome, keep growing and developing new friends. Get a tighter circle around you. But maybe you could be that wise person to someone else who has you in their circle. And to grow that way, let's consider the people we have around us. And in consideration, I want to warn us, because here's one of the biggest things that takes place is people, you get close together and then you realize others' flaws. You realize others' imperfections or you feel like their focus is all on your flaws and imperfections. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, I'm going to finish with this today. I know this was just a real practical message today, but wisdom is actually a pretty practical message topic in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, verse 12. I love this. So good. It says, we don't dare to classify or to compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When we measure or when they measure themselves by themselves and they compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. One of the ways you grow in wisdom is when you get that circle of people around you, it's, well, don't put them in the driver's seat. God's still the one who grows us in wisdom. God's still the one who leads the way. Too often we get a group of people around us and we start the comparison game. I'm better than them. They're better than me. They're better than them. They're weaker than them. They know more than them. And we we start getting into this weird sort of game where we're ranking ourselves where we think we compare to the people around us. And the Bible says, when you compare yourselves with yourselves, you're not wise. The only one we should be comparing ourselves to is Jesus. He alone. He's the one who actually wants to pour wisdom in our life. And he uses all these methods, actually applying what we've already attained. He, he, he uses different methods, like really considering the source. Sure, there's a, a faster way to get to a conclusion, but the better way is to do it God's way. He uses all these sorts of things like, generously and graciously pouring wisdom into our life if we would just ask. And he certainly uses the friends in our lives, the people in our closest circle to help guide us and shape us. I know right now, here's what could happen. You could be sitting and watching saying, well, I feel so alone and I'm so isolated and I don't have anyone in my life who's able to grow me in wisdom. Not true. The Bible says Jesus is a friend who's even closer to you than a brother. You already have at least one person in that circle. And also as a part of this church, there's a a bunch of other people who would love to grow in relationship with you step by step by step. If you're unsatisfied with the circle of friends you have in your life, develop some more friendships, grow in some more friendships, aspire to have some people in your life who are stronger in one area or another than you are presently. And those who walk with the wise will grow wiser. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.